talking crime, cases, and backing the blue. Now, here are your hosts, Captain Ed Mimette and Detective Kevin Schroeder. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cop Talk. This is retired NYCPD Captain Ed Mamet filling in for uh, our host, Kevin Schroeder, retired detective first grade, who is out on a covert operation somewhere. It's a pleasure to take his role today. Uh, filling in for him is our producer, uh, Joe Diamond. Uh, today, we have a very interesting guest, uh, a detective, a former detective named uh, Sal Greco. Uh, he was terminated from the New York City Police Department for very uh, questionable reasons. Um, I think he was wrongfully terminated, and because he was wrongfully terminated, we're having him on this podcast. Um, recently, he had an interview with Dominic Carter, uh, one of the WABC um, personalities, and he talked about his case. And I listened to that, and when I heard that, I said, we have to get him on this episode. So welcome, Sal. Thank you, Ed. It's an honor to be here. Obviously, you know, we're both uh, NYPD uh, alumni. So uh, thank you because you, you, you know, you do understand the situation. You would understand it better than others as you were on the job at a different time and saw how all these arbitrary rules are applied and how they were applied towards me and how they apply them today on uh, the offices of today. So uh, I appreciate you, uh, you know, and uh Thanks for everything you did. Thanks for your service. All those years you put in uh, helped pave the way for a, a cop like myself. All right, tell us about your background, Sal. Originally, I'm from Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. That's where I was born. You know, I was born there in 1982. Uh, I spent a little time in, in Florida uh, as a child also. But uh, I grew up then in uh, Dyker Heights. Then I moved to Staten Island, where I was living there as recently as last year. Uh, I would then was on the job in 2008. So I did 14 years in the NYPD, all while living in Staten Island. Uh, I had an unblemished record in the NYPD. I, I didn't even have a CCRB complaint. I was exonerated. I have 320 arrests. I've been involved in a thousand arrests. But uh, as you were stating, somebody there had a problem that became friends with Roger Stone. And uh, they hit me with... Uh, Multiple charges, all stemming from this patrol guy procedure, which you know very well, that states that an officer or anybody member of service, including the police commissioner and down, cannot wrongfully or knowingly associate with someone who's reasonably believed to have engaged in or likely to have engaged in criminal activity. Why don't you explain to the those listeners who are not police what the patrol guide is and how it governs the uh, conduct of police officers? Well, the conduct to the police officers, though, it's I believe this was something that was meant for a different era. And I understand how the rule is applied to, let's say, back in the day where you, you don't want officers, I guess, helping out maybe like a, a a mafia type figure or a street gang. I guess this what this rule was really supposed to be, you know, aimed towards. But actually. 70% of America has a record. So you can't, I mean, I don't know how you could state, well, Sal Greco's friends with Roger Stone, therefore, you know, he's a convicted uh, criminal or felony. Even though he was pardoned. That's a whole nother issue. But if you're going to, if you're going to state that somebody is a criminal and you're friends with them or you're pictured with them, and now they're going to railroad you through a, a department trial, 
I think that's a little egregious, if, if you ask me. I mean, I think the rule was more based on what you're stating, where you can't run for only associate with someone that's likely to have engaged in criminal activity and in a commission of a crime. Because if there's no crime, how are you stating that this guy should be fired for this stuff? Yeah, well, that's one specific part of the patrol guide. What I wanted you to tell the audience, what the patrol guide itself is. Oh, so the patrol guide is a set of rules. And the rules, it's, it's, it states as a guide. So the guide is what you're supposed to follow. These rules that are stated in the book. And in this book, the rules have changed over the years. A lot of rules have been implemented. A lot of rules then get taken out or they add them on. But basically, every cop from the rank of police commissioner down must follow these rules, allegedly. Okay. And the rule that you were charged with is just one of the rules among hundreds of rules in the patrol guide, just so the audience understands where this emanates from. Correct. Okay. Now, um, today is the one-year anniversary of your firing. Am I correct? Today is the day. Happy so anniversary, how, Sal. I mean, I wish it was a better circumstance, but, you know. How, you know how, at least it's good to be here. You guys understand this. You yeah. know, I feel at home with you guys. So so how are you holding up uh, the stress of it all? Uh, I'll be honest with you, Ed. It's been, uh, it's been a roller coaster. Because when you're under investigation for two years, not knowing what was going to happen to you. And, and, of course, I also lost my father in the middle of this. So you have personal problems, family problems. You don't know if you're going to not only lose your job. I was also being looked at by the January 6th committee. I had to testify with these people. So you don't know if they want to arrest you, if they want to just terminate you. You don't know. You're just living with, you know, your head is in the air, not knowing for two years. So now I've been a year away from this and I'm kind of just trying to put all the pieces back together. So it's been a uh, it's been a go at it. You know, I got, I'm lucky I have my family. And my friends and the people and my loved ones that are coalesced around me and kind of helped me get through all of this. Now, you you spent close to fifty thousand uh, dollars in legal yeah. fees. Uh, you lost your pension and uh, you're barred from getting a retired officer ID uh, and a good guy letter. Uh, can you tell the uh, audience what the good guy letter is? Well, the good guy letter is an important one. When you retire. What it, what it seems is when you leave and you have your retired ID that says retired, which I don't have, unfortunately, uh, they also supply you with a letter. This letter states that, you know, you're allowed you, you left in good standing with the NYPD. And therefore, now you're allowed to carry your weapon in 50 states, meaning you can have a security company or you could do security or do security consulting in all 50 states of the United States. Without this letter, though, you'll be judged and say, well, what happened? He, you got terminated for what? What happened? And that's that's a problem that uh, has incurred uh, while I'm down here in Florida now. Do, do you have a uh, like a GoFundMe page? I think you have something where people can contribute to your legal defense. Uh, yes. Yeah, so my uh, my website is salgreco.com. And on there, there's two ways. There's a button there that says get in the fight. Or you could go into the menu. You could click that button or go into the menu on the top of the screen. And click the support button. It'll take you right to the page. And there's a button there that says help this nycop.com. Click on that. And it takes you to the donation page. You could also, um, I also sell merchandise on that website. So you could buy some shirts if you like. All right. Because I know that you have uh, financial problems based on all this. Yeah. 
All right, so so you're you're holding up. You're doing pretty well for someone who's under uh, such strain. I mean, it's it's admirable. Joe, do you want to you want to ask him a question? Yeah. Well, so witch hunts have be you know a part of the American political vernacular again. It's like back in the uh, McCar- the Joseph McCarthy days from yeah. pres- from President Trump on down. You know, there's a lot of bad shit going on. You yourself were the victim of a, a long witch hunt after January sixth. You know, until yeah. I think until the NYPD trial. So talk about that. How did that all start? And you know, what was that like? Well, Joe, it all started with uh, a Fugazi claim by an officer from a, a letter written that stated I was Rogers security, not for January sixth, but prior. Meaning, my friendship with Roger was just the security job. That's basically what this person was stating, amongst other things. He was a disgruntled cop, so. When they wrote this letter, they were initially looking into that. Then as January 6th approached and afterwards, somebody wrote a blank letter that stated, I wanted a civil war in this country. And that sparked a witch hunt. They put pictures in there from January 5th, which was just me walking around with Roger to the two uh, legally permitted rallies he was at. And other pictures over the years of me being out in public with Roger. This was what the letter stated. And that sparked. Uh, two interviews, which we call GO-15s, two interviews. And then later on, we, we went into the uh, trial room, which was the NYPD administrative trial, which lasted over a month. All right, it was four days, four days for all of this. And I'll tell you next door, they had a trial for a cop that was alleged to have been involved in some domestic issue. They did that in one hour, eight witnesses, one hour. My case, four days. So I had to go through all of that. And, you know, but there was a lot of uh, fugaziness that went on there, Joe. I mean, they used the fugazi subpoena that stated I wanted I was on narcotics and they admitted on the stand I never was involved in narcotics. But they couldn't get a real subpoena because there was nothing criminal to get on me. I was never involved in anything criminal, which the NYPD admits in their in their fighting and their findings. So they used the administrative subpoena, which that in itself is a completely different procedure that should be questioned by the NYPD, how to even do that. And then they put me into a second interview with them where all that stuff in a criminal trial would be thrown out because you can't just lead into, oh, well, Mr. Greco is on narcotics and then, oh, we never found anything narcotics and we never dull tested him for narcotics. But then why did you access my phone? And said, well, Mr. Greco can't speak to these people because this guy got a parking ticket or whatever the case was. Because that's what they did to me, Joe. I mean, these things were very underhanded. And by the way, the officer, the sergeant that did this internal affairs is in a separate case right now where he not only perjured himself the way he did in my case, he perjured himself in that case, mm. which is currently in a federal court system in a civil trial. So, I mean, this is like a pattern of abuse, much like. Your mayor of New York, Eric Adams, his pattern of hanging out with uh, known, you know, known criminals and stuff. It's just it's a pattern. The NYPD and Ed could tell you that's how the NYPD operates. If you start seeing a pattern, that's when you start to worry. Well, we're going we're gonna to get into that about the about Eric Adams. That's my favorite topic. Yeah, so this everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite. He's 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 listen. What did he say the other day? He said he said. All my haters are my waiters at my oh, table yeah. of success. What the hell is he talking about? He's nuts. He's losing it. <laughs> Roger Stone's been very supportive of you. I know he's been, you know, a real stand-up guy and he's 
Um, I, I know you're very tight with him. He's also a, a WABC radio colleague. I should mention right. listeners out there, you know, a very good broadcaster also. Um, also, one of the most colorful guys in American political history. You know, uh, huge tattoo of uh, Richard Nixon on his back. And he's really icon. very colorful guy. How did you guys become friends? That's the thing, Joe. We met on Instagram. You know, I back in, in 2018, when Roger actually had Instagram, now he's banned for life for unknown reasons. He was never told why. Uh, people, I you know, I always was drawn to Roger, even as a kid. I remember seeing him on TV. He was very colorful. You know, and people don't <laughs> know. Actually, he's actually Sicilian, just like oh. me. He's just, we're both Sicilian. So, okay. so we just we hit it off on Instagram. I, I kind of defended him. I defended him on on multiple posts that he put up because when people throw vitriol at you and say, I wish you're dead, you Russian agent, I hope your wife dies, all this crazy stuff. And I would comment underneath and state, you know, stuff like, What's wrong with you? Like, what has Roger done to this person personally, which is nothing? What has he done to merit this kind of vitriol from someone? And it all stemmed from the election of one human being. That's Donald Trump. That's what this basically boiled down to. So then he he noticed this and he messaged me and he goes, hey, you know, how are you? You know, I'm, I'm Roger Stone. Are you joking? Is this really Roger? He goes, no, it's really it was him. Hmm. And we started talking and we hit it off. And he's like, listen, I live. I have an apartment in New York City. Uh, when I come into New York next time, let's go out and eat. And that's where I met him and Nidia. And from that moment on, we hit it off. And uh, and then eventually, you know. He was uh, subjected to, uh, 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 and you know, that crazy 29, uh, 29 man FBI agent raid at his house, which was out, you know, egregious. And uh, you know, I I stuck by him. I said he's my friend, and uh, you know, with two Sicilian guys, and loyalty means everything to us. You know how it is. The same thing as a cop. You know, you're loyal to your sergeant, whoever it is that you, is your boy. So I was loyal to him to the end. Uh, many people. And some to this day that turned their back on him or had, you know, they were snickering behind his back and I was not one of them. And I stood, I stood by him and look, uh, you know, we're still kind of fighting to this day because he still gets the vitriol and the hatred, but Roger Stone did nothing wrong. I mean, mm -hmm. he really didn't do anything wrong and uh, I wasn't going to ever abandon my friend. I mean, he really didn't do anything wrong. A lot of people may not like him or his style or the way he is. I know him personally. And if you ever sat down with Roger, there is no way you wouldn't like the man. He's hilarious. He's great to be around. He gets everyone involved in whatever he's talking about. And he's he's got wisdom beyond wisdom, especially when it comes to the political subject. I mean, this is the man that was, you know, an advisor to Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, Bob Dole, George Bush. Apparently also had he got him elected and Donald Trump. And he he was one of the first to really. To, to see it in a young Donald Trump, right? Like he was That's one of right. the first guys to say, you know, you're going to be president one day, right? He kind of really yeah, he, he he was nudging him. He he was he was nudging him for about, I'd say, a good couple of years mm. to keep running, run, run, run for office, you know, and 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 you know, President Trump kept saying, ah, you know, it's not for me. Or and then eventually in 1988, uh, he finally nudged him to try to do this one event. Uh, he came off the airplane and he saw the charisma and the people coalescing around Donald Trump at that time. So he saw it and he kept, you know, bugging him about it for years. And then eventually he got him to do it in 2016. Hmm. He finally, you know, he, he I think the word was uh, 
President Trump kept stating, you know, I'm only going to run if I see things that are, you know, we're at the brink of the country being divided or the country, you know, going down into flames. And then I'll 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 do it. And that's what it, that's what he did when he ran in 2016. He All finally right, that he knew that that was the moment. You're a perfect example of the expression. No good deed goes unpunished. And the road to hell is paved with good intentions by sticking by him. Um, now, be, before this is important, this, we're getting down to the Eric Adams and his and his his cronies. Yeah, um, you said that you know you were fired because of a, the criminal association section of the, the patrol guide, and um, and we know that Eric Adams, you know, hangs out with people who have had criminal records. Now, there's a portion of the patrol guide that you may not be aware of that I think would be good in your case. Are you aware of the portion that says you cannot associate with people who are involved in hate groups? Um, yes. Okay. Now, let me tell you the connection. I've looked at this case. As you know, Eric Adams has an association with Farrakhan, correct? Correct. It was security. Farrakhan. Okay. Farrakhan is one of the world's greatest haters, particularly of Jews, of which I am of that race. And so was Joe. So yeah. we have... A you know, we have a special uh, hate, uh, well, I shouldn't say, I have a special uh, opinion of Farrakhan. Now, that clause alone, the fact that Adams associated with Farrakhan, while could have made him uh, liable for both sections of the patrol guide, you know, I, I'm not sure if Farrakhan has a criminal record, but if he did, he would be in a position of violating that portion, but certainly the hate group portion. So he skated on that one. And then I think you pointed out with Dominic Carter that he bodyguarded Mike Mike Tyson, correct? Correct. Mike Tyson is a convicted felon. Convicted so rapist, again, yeah, not just any felon. So again, you have a situation where Eric Adams is an active duty police officer, a transit cop, was associating with a hate monger and a convicted felon, but nothing happened to him. And today... Um, he associates with these twin brothers. Are you familiar with that? I, I think the name is Petrosian or Petrosian. Yes, I, actually, there there actually is an article act, written from the New Yorker, and Eric Adams is not only mentioned those with those brothers. Once again, he brings up the Mike Tyson. I was a bodyguard for him, and it it it, it stated by the NYPD patrol guide he violated the rule that you can't associate with someone who's reasonably believed to be engaged in criminal activity. So I see. Here's the thing: that record you're talking about, his personal record, which they actually full requested, they're hiding behind the closed doors. That you can't get that record. The only thing they released was that he lost 15 days at the very tail end of his career because he went on television in uniform when he wasn't supposed to and gave an interview. Uh, well, well, you can get the record by court order if it's germane to your case. So don't be convinced that you cannot get the record. Um, if 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 your if the judge in your case rules that your request directly relates to your lawsuit, you can get a court order to get uh, Eric Adams' personnel record. So don't be this uh, disappointed by that. You know, I'm saying you give it a shot. Uh, now he also associates with uh, other people. Uh, how about Phil Banks, who is <laughs> yeah. an unindicted co-conspirator? Okay which means that he was obviously involved in criminal activity. According to Curtis Lee, he's a cooperating witness. I don't know if that's true, but the mere fact 
that he was involved in a criminal investigation uh, by the FBI would put him in that category. And yet he's the deputy mayor for uh, criminal justice, um, uh, public safety, rather. Uh, and is, uh, and that's that actually is a, a, a you know, an issue as of today with the police department, Eddie, because now how is so I don't understand how no one has filed anything as far as a conflict of interest with Banks and Adams. They have. I was going to bring that up. Curtis Letta, uh, uh, you're probably not familiar with this. Curtis Lewa made a complaint to the Department of Investigation laying this all out, and he never got a reply. So you might want to check with Curtis about this. He laid it all out about who uh, Adams associates with, their backgrounds, and the like. Um, so I suggest you follow up on that. I will. You're suing for 25 million. Uh, so how's the case going now? Well, that's why you keep hearing uh, noises in the background. My phone keeps going off because you actually be the first here to know this. But my case, the judge today uh, made a, a memo. He made a decision in their motion to dismiss against me. Uh, he ruled that the case proceed forward. Uh, he ruled that the case proceed forward against the uh, the four uh, individuals and not the city. So it's partially dismissed, but partially allowed to move forward. And the four individuals are the two internal affairs officers, Cutter and Ornstein, the deputy legal, uh, the deputy commissioner of legal matters at that time, Ernest Hart, and the police commissioner at that time, Keyshawn Sewell. Uh, the, he he said that this will proceed forward, so we'll have a I believe it's a conference, and we'll be headed into the discovery phase of this. The most important part is the case is going forward, and now everything that you have been talking about, and people have been talking about regarding Eric Adams or the police commissioner or every criminal association case before mine, everything is now on the table. Uh, why wasn't Eric Adams named in the lawsuit? He's the chief executive of the city. I believe because uh, at the time we had only put down the people, the individuals, because this case, what had happened, it was during 2021, which was under Bill de Blasio and Dermot Shea. But then ultimately awesome. Keyshawn Sewell made the decision. So it was uh, in between. And I think we just made a decision to leave it amongst the uh, NYPD. But if you remember, in my case, there was the whole Cardi B incident, which that survived here. So, you know, many people can be subpoenaed and deposed here, including Eric Adams. So Eric Adams is in a direct line here all the way up the chain, no matter how you look at it. So Eric Adams will answer for this one way or the other. And I know I know some people on the station are friendly with them and, you know, high fiving. But look, what happened here is egregious. I'm looking for not only justice, but to clear my name. And for a guy like Eric Adams, who's had the same thing happen to him, he's stayed silent and he's talking about, you know, he's the swagger mayor and the Joe Biden of Brooklyn and all this other stuff. He talks, but he never has mentioned my case or anything about this. And I don't know how Eric Adams is, you know, not tried to even. I don't know, with this case, say something. Because it's the Cardi B incident, that whole incident is what sparked how this 
proceeded forward because Cardi B's in the in the police academy, hobnobbing with everybody. But you're stating that Roger Stone is a is you know a guy that no no officer should ever be around to take a picture with, and that's basically the gist of the entire case. Is how how are you saying one thing is good and the other is bad? How does how how does this work? And I mean, you are on the job longer than me. How does this rule? How does this rule been being applied? Why did they bring Cardi B? It's hypocrisy. There you go. Were they giving pole dancing lessons in the academy? Like, why did they bring Cardi B back? uh, Cardi B to the uh, to the police academy? What was they? What they stated is that there was a court order that Cardi B. You know, she is a convicted criminal. Yeah. And and to do to her community service, they brought her to the police academy. Your (laughs) problems, but here's going to be your problem with that was in the news two days later, Eric Adams, in a press conference, stated that Cardi B was invited to the police academy and that we don't discard people. That's what he stated. So he's contradicting the city who's saying, well, Cardi B was there for a court order, which we've never seen a court order for this. And by the way, Cardi B just two weeks ago was in Las Vegas committing another crime yes. on, on, on camera, which, by the way, she instigated by telling people to throw water on her. Just to just to point out what kind of character they brought to the police academy. So that's at the heart. That's a secondary issue with this. But obviously, you know, the the Fugazi subpoena, the access and sealed records. It's it's just a pattern here with the NYPD, how they oh. do things behind closed closed doors and from the upper echelon and how they want to discipline their cops. Or they also apply this to regular people, Joe. They also have done the access in the sealed records part was a court order that they uh, they ruled on the NYPD against them because they also access sealed records in criminal cases, which you can't do. You can't state that John is pictured with Joe and John has a record from 1950. So we're not going to go to a judge, a regular judge, and try to open unseal that that record and see what happened. We're just going to press a few buttons in our computers mm-hmm. and look. That's what the NYPD has done for many years. But the cops unknowingly have done this. It was the NYPD that violated the court order and the state law. Well, um, you have a very good um, story. You got a great story. I think that um, our listeners uh, will be very sympathetic to your cause. Hopefully, those that are really sympathetic will contribute to your your fund. And uh, we wish that you prevail in this case. Um, it's it's the kind of case that I believe in, and uh, if we can help you, we will help you in any way we can. Oh, thank you, and, and you know I I pray for New York City every day. I mean, I saw the other day you guys had a insane incident in uh, Union Square. Yep, and uh, you know we, uh, I know three Xboxes, yeah, yeah, a few Xboxes being handed out, and you know I, I personally would call that an insurrection, as uh, the, uh, MSNBC stated. Uh, Something else was a few years ago. It was an insurrection that occurred there in New York City. And the violence that happened. And listen, I understand you're right. It's a failure by parenting, the parents for the children. But, you know, number one, Eric Adams never came out in defense of his cops, stating like this would not be tolerated in the future. Because obviously between CCRB and the lawsuits against cops, we know that if a cop does take action, that that's what's going to happen. He'll be held liable civilly criminally, and he can lose it all and end up in jail. So we know that Eric won't state that. And then personally, he should have said 
the fact of not uh, striking any of his officers because, you know, public safety should be number one, including safety of his own officers. So that was a breakdown in public safety, something that Mayor Eric Adams campaigned on. He campaigned, he campaigned on this saying he's the law and order candidate. I'm a former cop. Then you see what happens and you saw his own executives running with their tail between their legs. I've never I could never imagine this being a cop. And I'm sure Ed could tell you this running away from people that are or kids throwing pickaxes, bricks, bottles, anything they can hold their hand and get on. They're throwing it at them in this. The reaction is to run away. I can't believe what I saw. And that's what's happened. It's like a demasculization of the NYPD. And it all starts from the top, which is your chief executive, Eric Adams. I don't know how he shows his face after that and has no remedy for what happened. Yes, the parents are to blame. The parents are, but so is Eric Adams for the, it's it's the public safety. It was It was a breakdown in public safety. Well, we all know that he he's a hypocrite and that he doesn't have the experience, you know, or the management experience, and he doesn't have the supervisory experience. He, he falls back on his police career, which uh, was very questionable. And regarding riots, I go way back to the 60s when I was in, I, I saw all the riots. They were handled very differently. But anyway, um, I, we want to thank you for your uh, your appearance. And uh, perhaps we'll have you back on and keep us posted uh, regarding the progress of the case. Sal, uh, give us your website and your, your Twitter handle. All right. So my Twitter and my Instagram is both at the Sal Greco. I'm also on Truth Social at Head of the Table. And my website is salgreco.com. Once again, if you feel like you're inclined to try to help me with this and you want to uh, contribute to me, you can hit the support button at salgreco.com slash support. Or uh, also on there, I have a shop. You could buy some shirts. I have some uh, very interesting shirts on there for sale. And uh, that also helps me out, too. Thank everybody for uh, your support and your prayers. And I really appreciate it. And I'm in this all the way to the end. And I'm not doing this just for me, but for uh, anyone else that. You know, something like this has happened to where you lose your job or you face some kind of fugazi prosecution, kind of like the former president of the United States, where you're facing this in the in the face and you know you did nothing wrong. But, you know, no one ever tries to fight back, at least. So they're afraid and people shouldn't be afraid to stand on their own two feet if you've done nothing wrong. Thank you. Well stated. Thank you, Sal.